My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. When we think of our life with the Messiah, what, what comes to mind? Well, we should recognize that he is, he is our life. Without him, you know, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We have the foretaste of, of the blessings. We have fellowship. We have just the joy, the, a heart that loves the scripture. All because of Messiah? What's that? All because of Messiah? All because of Messiah. Yeshua, Messiah, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, yo. Sorry about the audio problems, but here, here we are. My name is Caleb Hag. Digging that Barry Sachs. I'm Rob Van Hoff. Yes. He nails the intro twice in a row. Good job, buddy. Sorry you, could, you guys couldn't hear it the first time. I'm going to have to go back and edit that out afterwards, which is fine. It's all good. Okay, well, hey, here we are. Welcome to everybody in the chat room. Hey, you know, it was a nine-minute intro, but maybe we needed that so that we could have 27 people in here by the time, uh, by the time we started. So we're glad to see everyone. I have a question. Now, I'm, this is just for fun. I'm not, I don't have the chat room open, so I have to take Caleb's word for it if people answer. I'd be curious, like, what do people, do people drink anything while they're watching Messiah Matters? <laughs> like, water, coffee, tea, a pop, nothing. Interesting. Juice, beet juice. <laughs> Gin and juice. <laughs> Sipping on gin. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna try to. I uh, change. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to edit on the. What fly. beverage best goes with Messiah matters? Does it depend on the topic? <laughs> Does it depend on? Yes, exactly. <laughs> hmm. I think today it's gonna take a, a medium roast, uh, <laughs> French press. <laughs> okay. Look at that. Look at that. I uh, green. Oh, we got. Hey, look at this. We already got people. Helen McKay says, Helen McKay says beer. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Coffee, but, green tea. Hey, wait a minute. Paul, Caleb, you can't get away with just beer where Caleb lives. We're talking like the microbrewery, like IPAs, yo. I don't even so, drink beer anymore. I'm, I'm off the sauce, believe it or ha- not. You have to be more like, what kind of beer? Oh. Whiskey, tea every wow. time. Yep. Warm water, lemon. And tissue salts is that what you know? <laughs> Whatever floats you about, man. I mean, I like it. That's a variety of. It's like, what's your favorite beverage for Messiah Matters? That's right, exactly. Um, all right, well, welcome to the show, everyone. Two five two. That's what show we are. Two five two. Are we more like a dessert, or are we more like a main course? Are we like a full multi course meal? Messiah oh, matters. Good gracious, I Lord, ho- I hope that like, the Lord makes it a full. Like meal right now, this is the this is the appetizer. This is the uh, like, right. you know, fried mozzarella, <laughs> deep fried mozzarella with marinara sauce. Okay, enough playing around. We got lots of stuff to get to. <laughs> I'm in a silly mood, I guess. Okay, here we go. So, um, there's uh, numerous things I want to mention first. First of all. Uh, thank you to all of our supporters. And the reason that I'm going to bring this up first and foremost is because um, we at Torah Resource have started um, 
and this is in your show notes, by the way. We've started. Uh, we've, we're putting the finishing touches on a book uh, for the spring festivals for Passover, counting the Omer, and Shavuot. Um, and we're hoping that uh, this should be ready. Hoping, hoping we're going to put that in quote mark. Hoping that this is going to be ready to, for pre-order on March first. With that says, um, with that says, with that said. Uh, we've been, it's, it's a collection of articles from my father, predominantly my father, Tim Haig. And then I've written a couple of articles as well. Um, I, uh, out of necessity, my father wrote a very extensive and very lengthy, uh, article on circumcision back in 1990. It was for a feshrift for his father. And, um, you know, I can understand this wanting to, I, I can tell uh, there's a hint of wanting to impress maybe a little bit. Um, his father, which I understand and I get, um, he rewrote it for an ETS, uh, Evangelical Theological Society paper, and that's actually what's up online. And it's extremely scholarly, so much so that it's hard to get through, in my opinion. Um, and so I decided, okay, we can't put this in the book. We got, you know, we need something a little bit more succinct. So I wrote an article. It's four pages long. It's called "The Significance of Circumcision." It is now up in the Messiah Matters More section. So if you are a supporter, for as little as $5 a month, you can go and you can uh, view that. It's under a first look, um, and you can click on that. It's four pages long. Take a look. Let me know what you think. If it's, uh, I tried to make it so that the average Christian person sitting in the pew of a Sunday Christian church would be able to read it and completely understand it. There's not a lot of footnotes in it. Um, I just try to reference Scripture as much as possible. Um, so... Uh, it, it comes from a different place than where, what I normally write for, which is fine, but I'd encourage all of our supporters to go check it out. If you're not a supporter, I would highly encourage you to become a supporter. You can do that by going to torresource.com, hovering over media, go down to Messiah matters. And, uh, once you click on that, there will be information there on how to become a, uh, supporter for as little as $5 a month. With that said, let's move on. And uh, I'm going to hit on support one more time in just a second. Here's our comment line, 253-465-3205, 253-465-3205. Give us a call, and we actually are going to play uh, a clip from someone who called in today. It is the, the catalyst for this show. Um, you can also write us emails, chag at torresource.com. It's chag at torresource.com. Don't forget that uh, you can go to torresource.com, find all kinds of great things, uh, free resources and whatnot. And the whatnot. So I mentioned support uh, one more time, and uh, the reason I'm going to do that is because our little Rob Vanhoff over here is quite the uh, the in demand scholar, apparently. Not not in demand. It, uh, uh, excuse me, sir. <laughs> now you're going to Israel in April, right? And then yep. you're going to uh, be presenting not one, but two papers again at this year's SBL. That, in San that's Diego. right. I so that they, uh, you know, my my thought is I'm going to submit at least two. Here, here's kind of the business as, as far as I'm concerned. I'll I'll watch for different calls for papers at conferences, and if I if I read something and it kind of pings, it's like man, there I have something I think I could contribute. I will type up an idea and and send it in, and so with, with SBL I sent. Two different, you know, one for the midrash section and one for the Masora section. Thinking, oh, I'd, maybe at least I might get one. Well, both, I got thumbs up for. Now, now, now hang on just a sec. Rob's wife is very uh, astute in this. 
because she has said, as she said to him, how many papers that you have submitted to the SBL have ever been rejected? Answer. Goose egg. Zero. <laughs> Yet, for no, some yeah. reason, he continues to always put in two papers, which is great. I think that's great. But anyway. It is. A, it's pressure. But I feel like a, it's good to I think it's good for us to challenge ourselves and to push ourselves in in, uh, in different ways. And, and that does that for me, you know, and, and it it helps me. I think become a better teacher. Absolutely. It helps me become a better, uh, clearer thinker because when we put ourselves in situations where we're with people who are very serious about that same, that same minutia topic, you can't help but learn. You can't help but take away because people, they're going to help you see some blind spots, right? They're going to help you sharpen your own thinking. And what, what's the alternative? The alternative is just to never interact. And so, Vicky anyway. says, I want to be like Rob when I grow up. What's that? Vicky says, I want to be like oh. Rob when I grow up. Um, <laughs> All right. Anyway, so the whole reason that I bring this up is because. The good stuff. The yes, good stuff. The good stuff, yeah. yes. Which uh, is, the the yeah. whole reason I bring this up, though, is because uh, uh, Rob now is uh, in need of a plane ticket to, uh, to Israel. Um, and so if you would like to uh, be a part of getting Rob to, to Israel, uh, to present this paper, then uh, you can do so by going to TorahResource.com. Uh, any donation, you know, if we get a donation that says for Rob's plane ticket to Israel, um, we will certainly put it towards that. So, oh, uh, thanks in advance. Yeah, anybody, just you know, if if just pray, pray about it. You know, if if you feel like the spirit's leading you, then that would be such a blessing to me. And Carrie and, says, uh, does Rob have access to the chat? No, we keep Rob off the chat for uh, reasons that can be <laughs> oh, seen I, in on previous. On Shabbat, it was so funny. There's people at Shabbat who who watch our show and they just let me have it they, they're like you're like uh what at least and then i'm like well at least i didn't fake an answer to caleb this is when <laughs> when your dad was on right and you asked me this great question and i was just like typing up we need a map where people put flags you know where they're from you know <laughs> Dude, I was rob's like, in a totally different okay world so now imagine i'm on my laptop in the kitchen table and my wife's in the in the kitchen cooking and she's like I need that. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, uh, what? She's like, shut that computer. This is like, you know, this is not your office. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Let, that's funny. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, uh, so yeah, I, uh, Rob, to answer the question, no, Rob does not have access to the chat room right now, uh, for good reason. Okay. I've been the band. <laughs> exactly. Okay. I want to jump right into this. This is a great question. And, uh, I think it'll actually take a long, long time. I'm not exactly sure how long uh, we were. Let's see here. We had nine minutes, so we've only been on air for 10 minutes. So we have 50 minutes to answer this question. And it's a great question. Um, uh-oh. But you know what I did? I didn't open it. Um, with all of the uh, non... Let's see here. All of the uh, audio issues, I forgot to get it. Okay, let's see here. Hopefully this won't blast everybody out because I Well, have in to... the meantime, while you do that, I can talk a little bit. I got it. I got it. I got it. <clears throat> oh, you got it. I got it right here. Ready? Here we go. Hi, I was just curious if you guys have a statement of faith. I mean, the commentaries kind of get so long, sometimes I can't understand which direction you guys are actually for or against, because there's so much conjecture going back and forth, and the commentary sometimes, is, again, is so long. Or your guys' little blips you do don't indicate what you're for or against sometimes. Um, I get an idea what you're for, but you never come out and explicitly say it, so... It can be a wee bit confusing. Okay. Now, 
there's a lot going on in this comment. And thank you for whoever left this comment. She did leave her phone number, so I'll probably call her and, and let her know that we we uh, we responded on air. But um, <clears throat> there's a lot going on. And the reason why is because, first of all, I don't know when she says commentary. I don't know if she means the commentaries onto our resource. We have full commentaries that have been written by my I father. I think she's talking about her show. She thinks she's talking about her show. Um, yeah, and every single clip, every single little clip that's taken is actually taken from the larger show. So if you watch the entire large show, then you've seen all the little clips. Um, with that said, Torah Resource is the, is the ministry that uh, both Rob and I work for. And um, if you go to Torah Resource, this is, we're going we're gonna to dive into this, and I'll tell you how we're going to do it in a second. But uh, one of the things that you can do if you want just a very, very basic this is what we believe kind of a thing. You can go to torresource.com, click on the about in the toolbar. And on that page, it has our mission statement. It also has a, um, I mean, yeah, a statement of faith and some other things. So I would encourage everyone, if you, if you have questions about the very basics, you could go there or you can just watch the rest of this show. What I, what I proposed to, where's my... What I proposed to um, Rob was, I have an idea. Let's do this. Let's go to, oh, there we are. Let, uh, I said, let, let's both write up a list of, of a statement of faith and let's not show each other the statement of faith. Like basic, and not necessarily write up a statement of faith, but what would you want on a statement of faith kind of a thing. And what we'll do is, I haven't seen Rob's. I have no clue what's on his. He hasn't seen mine. He has no clues, clue what's on mine. And what we're going to do is we're going to trade back and forth and just talk about what what these statements, what these topics would bring and what we believe of them. Caleb. Yes. Before we begin, are we on track? Because twice she mentions, also, thank you for the, the lovely voicemail, uh, whoever that was, the for or against, she says twice. What right. you're for, what you're against, what you're right. for, what you're against. My understanding was that this week we we're going to focus on what we're for. Correct. And maybe if we want, we'll do we'll do a show what we're against, against. which exactly. sounds pretty harsh. Like if if that was the only show somebody watched, you know, it might seem like we're back being really mean or something. You know, I don't know. But today, I formulated my list with with that positive what we're for, and you did the same. I did. Oh, good. Okay, good. So we're on the same page. I think that a lot of our lists are going to, you know, be exactly the same or at least similar. Okay. What before to another point, she said, she said, there's a lot of conjecture. Like a lot of our show is just conjecture. Usually that means like people just making up stuff, not really based on facts. And so maybe I'm hoping she didn't use the word with that specific meaning because I, that would frighten me if we're if we come across as just spending you know an hour a week just just, just talking con, conjecturing <laughs> yeah well verbally you know, throwing up all over everyone I, that's I hope, listening i hope that's not the the sense of the word i maybe she was using it as a synonym for just our conversation so anyway. <laughs> dude the people in the chat room are, i love the chat room so much it's so great <laughs> People are just going off about the fact that you said when we used to be really mean. <laughs> Did I just say that? Yeah. I don't know why no, you I said froze. We used to come <laughs> you froze. Hang on just a sec. Let's see if we can get you back. Rob froze for some reason. Hmm. hmm. Rob, do we want to try to have you call me back? 
Sure. Can you hear me still? I can hear you just fine. Okay. We're, we're going to try to uh, fix this really quick, folks. Uh, hang on with me. All right, Rob, you ready? I'm going to lose you here. Yep. There. Okay. Wait, I still have you. Oh, that's because, oh, yeah, you're in Google Hangouts. Okay, I'm going to let you go. Let's try to get them back, people. We'll see if we can get his video back. No, we. I have no video back. Hmm. Okay. Let's try this one more time. I'll call you right back. Sorry, people. I don't know what's going on today, but we have a lot of technical issues. So, just stick with us here for a second. And let's see if we can get Rob back. We could just put we could just put a, a uh, picture of Rob up. That's me calling Rob for those who don't know. There we go. Yeah, I just got to get your uh, video back. Sorry, everybody. Give me a second here. Almost there. Configure. We want to go to Google. Man, uh, producing this is really quite difficult, isn't it? Is the audio working okay? Audio is just fine. And we've been on the whole time. <clears throat> did I really say back when we were mean? Yes, you did. <laughs> I don't I guess I I didn't mean that we we thought we were being mean. Back to I guess it came Yeah. Came across a little weird. Okay, here we go. Um so we're back and uh you're everything's working just fine. Okay, so let's go, let's get to it. I'm sorry for all the problems, people. This is this is what comes with trying to self-produce a show. Okay, um, statement of faith. So I'm going to jump right in. Number one I have, and I'm going to guess that yours is pretty close to this. Number one that I have is one God. Now I have three bullet points underneath that. So I believe in one God, that there's only one God. Paul talks about this too, right? People who believe in other gods, not really gods, they're demons. They're nothing, right? They're either right. demons or they're nothing. So, um, I mean... I believe in one God and one God only. There's only one God. Now, be, below that, I have three bullet points, and you can jump in at this uh, on this at any point. I have my three bullet points are deity of Yeshua, personhood of the Holy Spirit, and then the, and then a question: Do we believe in the Trinity? And maybe this is one reason why people think, or you know, at least some people, obviously, think that we're not straightforward, is because we don't just come right out. We have, you know, sometimes. I, I think that we do, but obviously, apparently, we don't. Sometimes we don't just come out and say, yes or no, we believe in this. So um, I will continue on and answer these bullet points. Deity of Yeshua. Yes, I fully believe in the deity of Yeshua, and I fully believe that Yeshua is Emmanuel, God with us. And um, I I am one who believes that we can call Yeshua yod heh vav when because I believe the Bible does. In Genesis, right, when... Uh, when the angels show up to talk to Abraham. I believe that the you know one of them is called Yod Heh I believe that that's Yeshua in the flesh, like pre-incarnate, right? And then he comes in the flesh during, through the virgin birth. I believe in the personhood of the Holy Spirit, which means you know I don't know how that works, but for some reason in the end of Luke, Luke twenty-four, he says I have to Yeshua says I have to leave so that I can send the the Spirit. And actually, there's. This is an interesting passage, too, because there's, uh, I think John says the Father will send the Spirit. Matthew and and Luke both say that Yeshua will send the Spirit, which is interesting right there. 
Um, and then in the, in the beginning of Acts, I think we have the same thing. I could be wrong about that. But anyway, uh, so he says uh, he has to leave so that, that he can send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has personal pronouns attached to it throughout. Attached oh, yeah, to you him. can grieve the Holy Spirit. Exactly. <clears throat> Um, yeah, I, you know, so, and so, uh, I believe in the, my, my first bullet's the same thing. I, I say triune God, I believe in the triune God. So what that means is three persons, but it's, it's one, one God. So the person uh, yeah. of the Holy Spirit, you know, deity of Yeshua. <clears throat> one of the reasons I think that we probably, I, 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 let me speak for myself. One of the reasons I have, um, stayed away from the word Trinity is not because I don't believe in it. I believe in the triune God. I believe in the Trinity as the Bible speaks about God. The problem is, is that I think that there's been a lot of misunderstanding and or a lot of misinformation about what the Trinity is. The Trinity is not found, the word Trinity is not found in the Bible, but the word Bible is not found in the Bible, right? Um, so, I mean... Well, not meaning the 66 books, right? Yeah. Right. And so my, my point right is, here. is that, you know, when you look at, when you look at the debate about the Trinity throughout history, um, you know, and I struggled. I struggled really hard with the concept of the Trinity. This is one of the main fighting points that my father and I had theologically for quite some time. Uh, and that was, you know, that was to have iron sharpening iron um, to, to try to understand more what the Bible actually says. But, um, you know, the, the more I looked at Trinitarian doctrine, the more I realized, okay, in the beginning, you know, and we had somebody just the other day talk about, you know, we put out this thing on the, about the Holy Spirit, which my father answers this wonderfully in his first, uh, in his first lecture on the Holy Spirit, which is now available on Torah Resource. You can find it on Torah Resource. Um, but uh, we had somebody comment, "Oh, well, the Trinity was just a, a man-made thing uh, in the Roman Catholic Church." Well, no, this is not actually true. What happened is, is you had people look at the scripture and say, how do we reconcile the scripture with the scripture? The, the, the Trinitarian doctrine comes from wrestling with, with the text. Now, one of the reasons that the word Trinity, I try to stay away from the word Trinity, is not because I don't agree with it. It's because I think that there's a lot of baggage that comes with that term, Trinity, or Trinitarian doctrine. Right, right. And because of that, uh, you know, and this is predominant mostly in the Hebrew roots and Messianic movement. We don't see a lot of this in the Christian church. We do see some of it, but we don't see a lot of it in the Christian church, in the mainstream Christian church, I should say. Um, and so for that reason, I try to... to sure, you have hymn, classic hymns that have the word Trinity, you know, in it, you know. It, it, so it's like... Right. People are singing, you know, Trinity. You would, I, I couldn't imagine... Going into uh, like a Hebrew roots <laughs> or messianic, uh, you know, and they're singing a song that has the word Trinity in it uh, on Shabbat. I, maybe it's happened. I guess the point is, is that it's not it, it's not that I want to shy away from the idea of the triune God. It's that um, to try to you know it, when you start uh, when you when you start talking to someone. Okay, I'll give you an example. Let me let me give an example. Maybe this will help. One of the reasons I don't like using uh, Trinity, especially right off the bat, I went to a church two weeks ago. Pastor was uh, from Louisiana, uh, seemed like a really nice guy, and was very seemed very well educated. Actually, I, I could tell that he had been to seminary. 
And the reason I could tell that was because he was speaking on Ephesians 2, and uh, which is one of my pet peeve verses, and I think I t- I've talked about this a little bit. But um, he's talking about Ephesians 2, and he's talking about the rift between Jew and Gentile in the first century. And he's, he's talking about it very, like he's read a lot about this, and he's very well learned about it. And I appreciated that. Now, I, I believed that he got... Romans 2 wrong, right? He didn't bring out the idea of of the Greek where it says dogma. Instead, he said, well, th- this means that we don't have to keep the the, the Torah anymore, uh, which is, that's my pet peeve, because uh, I think that's a gross misinterpretation. You mean Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, Rome. what did I say? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry, Romans, Ephesians, yeah. Ephesians 2. Um, and so afterwards, I had a choice to make. The choice was when he walked up to me, because it was a small congregation, I knew that he would come and talk to me. Um, and he did. He walked up and he said, hi. Now, I had a choice to make. I could blast him. <laughs> hi, it's nice to meet you. My name is Caleb. Why in the world didn't you read the Greek? You know, I could blast him with that. Or I could highlight what I enjoyed about what he said. And I chose the second path. I said, I really enjoyed your discussion of Jew and Gentile in the first century. I think you hit the nail right on the head. Now, bringing it back to uh, our discussion of the triune God, when you meet a believer, uh, to use language that is immediately going to uh, bring a a harsh debate or make someone think some uh, about you're, your theology, right? Away. You're leading with a challenge. You, you right. don't lead with a challenge. Uh, so it's not that I shy away from the idea of the Trinity. I don't shy away from that at all. I believe in the Triune God, th- three personhoods in one. Um, but that's one of the reasons I don't like to use the term Trinity very often. Okay, let's uh, move on. What's your number two? Uh, I put the Bible, that is the, and then I qualify, the 66 books of the Protestant, the uh, Reformation canon, is the inspired Word of God. Ooh, yeah, good one. This is really important, especially in our, and I've written on Sola Scriptura as well, right? This is really important for our day, though, because we have, in the Hebrew to Messianic and the Torah movement, you have people who are trying to eat They're selling Bibles that have, they just put, yeah... And they don't even know the languages, but they're like, yeah, I put the translation of this in here and, and this, and this is like, oh. Right. You have, you have the addition of, uh, you know, additional books going into their canon. Yeah. You have some people rejecting Paul and then you have, um, I mean, just all sorts of stuff. Right. You have rabbinical <clears throat> texts coming into, to, you know, people are putting the rabbinical text on par with scripture. Just Absolutely atrocious in my opinion so what, what, what is happening in that situation because you just described between the two of us we just described a whole spectrum one spectrum is that we we're going to add books that should have been in the canon so that's one thing another is we're going to take books that should, don't belong in the canon out that's a different stance we've seen people take and then we've taken well without all the rabbinic texts we can't understand the scripture anyway, so it's all, you know, the Talmud helps us interpret the scripture, so therefore the Talmud is the necessary lens. And so we have all these varieties out there, and so we stand strong. We say no, that maybe next week, we'd, that'll be in our against thing. But uh, when we say sola scriptura, when we say right. the 
books of the Protestant Reformation, then we're making a, you know, this is a, this I is wouldn't a say books of the Protestant Reformation. I'd say because the canon was closed or way earlier in the Reformation, right? I mean, we, we have the, the, uh, the canon being closed, uh, you know, early. And then, and, and uh, another parallel that I have, and it's not listed next, but I put studying the Bible in the original languages is absolutely essential for sound teaching, sound doctrine. And though that also is, that's an impulse of the reformers. In other words, that the reformers sure. uh, conviction concerning what books are in the Bible cannot be separated from their conviction about the necessity of, of, of reading and translating the Bible from the original languages. Right. Those, those are both put together for that explosive jet away from the Roman kind of hegemony there. So uh, Alyssa in the, in the uh, chat room says, um, could you specify which Bible translations you're talking about? I want to be sure to steer clear. What translations do you respect? Uh, there oh. seems to be uh, more of an emphasis in Hebrew roots on Enoch and Jubilees, etc., uh, so uh, we've talked about Enoch. We've talked about the Apocrypha before. Uh, the reason that, and we've talked specifically about why the Apocrypha has not been uh, added into the Protestant canon, um, and uh, honestly, why why the Catholics? Bruce Metzger has a great uh, has written beautifully on this. Um, but you can track how the Catholics rejected it too up until the refer- as can as canon. You know, it was at the back of the Bible with basically we respect these books, but it's not God breathed uh, up until the Reformation. Right. And then when the Reformation came about, basically, you have uh, them bringing it back into canon saying, oh, look, the, the reformers reject scripture. So we have to reject them. Um, well, I think our, our, our oldest back to the Enoch and Jubilee side of things, our oldest uh, full versions of those are in Ethiopic. Right. And so the claim is, well, the Ethiopic church keeps Enoch and Jubilees as part of their canon. Well, it, first of all, the, the, it's very late. They're very late texts. They're translations of translations. So that it's likely if you read like uh, James Vanderkam, who's a specialist in uh, both Jubilees and Enoch and, and in dealing nice with guy. Ethiopic texts, that he's arguing, if I remember right, that these are translations of a translation. So it's, it would be like reading an English translation of the Vulgate and then saying that it's, you know, that you're dealing with the original text. But not only that, we don't know the reception history within the Ethiopic church. Just because they had Jubilees and Enoch in Ethiopic doesn't mean they were using it in liturgy and teaching from it. We, I mean, unless someone does a thorough uh, history of, jubilees and enoch in the ethiopic church just the simple claim that oh it's part of their canon i i, I don't know we're getting a Maybe little off track here but i but one of the things that i do want to address in terms of Alyssa's question is this you know we get this all the time instead of you know off the top of my head one translation that adds a lot of books and uh is just atrocious is the et sefer bible steer is far clear away from that but i don't want to get onto things that were that you know we don't believe in right now. I want to stay on things that we do believe in. As a general That's next week. Uh, yeah, as a general as a general rule for English translations of the Bible. I think it's important and my father has taught this in his uh what uh version of the apostolic scripture should I read uh teaching which is on Torah resource, but uh, he makes the point that if it steer clear of translations that are done by a single person. 
try to stick to translations that are done by a uh, a board of people and translators. And absolutely, that that is a, a solid principle. Now, off the top of my head, recently, Robert Alter, right? He's a, a sure. A, I don't know, probably professor emeritus of Hebrew, you know, and so he's he's been a he's written commentaries and has already translated over his career individual books from the Tanakh. And then so he recently released the whole his whole Tanakh, right? The Hebrew right. Bible with his commentary. Um, that's not to say that the, I think that has a certain value. But as long as we remember the author, who is the author? What he does, he's not coming with a faith commitment. He's coming with a, a notion that there are st- stitched traditions put together. But there's you know, still bias the there. What's that? I know you agree with this, but there's still bias there. Yeah, so yeah. Oh, well, yeah, that's what I mean. And so, uh, so you will find things. Uh, and there's someone who did a New Testament. Is it Black Blackstone? Like a Greek, a, you know, the similar guy in the Greek language who translated. He went through and translated the whole apostolic writings. So and so, you might find those, but but they're not to hang your hat on. So we okay. I, we should just answer this real quick. What versions do do I use in study? If I'm using English versions, which I do predominantly, I mean, I always have a Greek or a Hebrew text next to me just so I can check it as well. I use the ESV for my regular reading Bible um, because I think it's easy easy to read. I use the NASB also as uh, especially when I'm studying, I'll have an ESV and an NASB next to each other. I use the Net Bible the NET Bible, and I use that not predominantly for its translation, but for its 66,000 notes that they have, which are fantastic, by the way. And I always try to have something else uh, along the way as well. And, and a lot of people will slaughter me for this one. A lot of the time I'll have the KJV next to me. And the reason why is not because I think that the KJV has anything special in it, but it's from a completely different group of of manuscripts. And so if you want to see later manuscripts and some of the traditions that they've had, it's interesting to see what the KJV sure, might sure. have. Yeah. Um, somebody asks in the chat room, what do you think about the tree of life version? I've seen and used the tree of life version on multiple occasions. I like a lot of what they have, for instance. Uh, and there are always texts that I go to, to look and kind of see what the translation is going to be. They got um, Hebrews 8 right. They didn't put the extra word covenant in, which every other translation does. I was very happy for that. They messed some things up in Romans, though. I mean, once again, every translation is going to have a little something. However, I like the Tree of Life uh, version well enough that I would, I, would, uh, I, would, I would be able to use it. No, But I think with every translation, no matter what, you have to go into it realizing that your translators have some form of a bias no matter what. And so that's important. Okay, let's get back to the topic. And the comparative, the, whatever, you know, I remember one of my teachers says, you know, if you're if you're not dealing with the original languages, try to have at least five. And Caleb, you listed good, solid, you know, and it's so easy for no cost. You can get on the internet and pull up parallel versions. Blue letter Bible. It, yeah, go, you know, you can get you in go. there and, and or Bible Gateway, one of these things, and and do that. Um Okay, but yeah, keep, I would I would pick the same core three. I'd say NASB, then you know, looking at the net, looking at the ESV, those are all good. Okay, so we went from do you believe in the Trinity? Yes. Do you believe in Sola Scriptura? Yes. And when we say Sola Scriptura, we mean the 66 books of the canon. Um, and then I have for my second one, salvation by faith. And my subcategories are this faith is a gift from God. Being called is a gift from God. 
And then a question. Are we Calvinists? We get this all the time. Um, that's a question that it doesn't matter how many time we, times we state our position on this, we continue to get a question about this. So I don't believe that salvation is by works or anything that I've done at all. I believe it is by faith and faith alone. Uh, it, and I believe it's a gift from God from the foundations of the world, which means I believe in the doctrines of grace. I believe I was chosen by God before the foundations of the world to be one of the gifts to Yeshua. And Yeshua, accepting this gift, has now given me the gift by calling me, giving me faith, and giving me redemption through his blood. Am I a Calvinist? I don't like the word Calvinist, but yes, I'm a Calvinist. That's funny. Go ahead. Right now, your hat with the thing, it reminds me of the total John Calvin, like oh, yes. the hat that when it goes down around the ears. Yes. You know those guys they had? <laughs> awesome. We need like one of those cartoon things to go over your head one of the filters yes no i i'm caleb you're na- i i'm saying the same thing i just said doctrines of grace tulip you know I'm, some I'm, people might wonder why we don't like the word calvinist when it comes to the five five points of calvin the five points of calvinism which was actually not created by calvin right we've done a show on this as well but when it comes to the five points of calvin i absolutely agree 100 percent. however uh, Calvin was wrong in uh, certain other aspects of his theology. Predominantly, I'd say, I pulled a quote from Calvin just the other day, thanks to the help of my teacher, Rob Vanhoff, um, on baptism replacing circumcision. He believed in, uh, he believed the sacraments replaced certain parts of the Torah. He believed that the Torah was done away with in certain parts, and he believed in the supersessionism. Um, I don't believe in any of those things. So to attach myself to a name like Calvin uh, and say I'm a Calvinist. I don't. Th- I think it sounds like I it encompasses all of Calvin, which I don't believe in. However, <clears throat> the way that it's used today is: Do you believe in the five points of Calvin? And if you're using Calvinism in that sense, absolutely, I'm a Calvinist. Right. Okay, you're up. Yep. Uh, so after that, I put which parallels yours after doctrines of grace and in, in tulip. I put justification by faith sanctification through obedience and that these go together. Yeah. So actually my number three is sanctification as well. A mind just says once saved, a person is on a continual path of sanctification. And then my subcategory is one of the ways, and that's important. One of the ways we are sanctified is through Torah. And I believe that's for Jew and Gentile alike. So this is called one law theology. I fully believe in one law theology. And uh, I, I would say in one of the places where I think that even uh, those within the Torah movement get hung up is circumcision. A lot of people, I think, misinterpret Paul and his and what he says about circumcision to mean that sure. we are no longer able or no longer supposed to or no longer have to uh, circumcise our children. Um, I, I don't I do not see Paul saying that. That's not how I interpret Paul Paul's use of the word circumcision or his view of the Abrahamic covenant, even in Galatians, especially in Galatians. Yeah, it, it reminds me of, and I don't know if we'll get that clip but eventually with Dr. Michael Brown that I think someone shared, but the idea is like God had a bunch of have-tos, and then Jesus came, and that list of have-tos was reduced, and then some new have-tos were given. Like, and, and so there's that shift. Right. Um, and so the things... That well, what it used to be a have to now it's well you're free to do it if you want but you don't have to and and it it's a new kind of we're trying to put it in a new mental space 
that to me is not helpful. Right. Um, do, are we ready to the next one? Yeah. Do you want to oh. go or you want me to? Oh, you go. You go first. So the, the, the reason I chose this is because with, you know, I think we get lumped in a lot with, and every form of, you know, within Christianity, there's just this huge wide swath of different beliefs, right? And different denominations. Now I consider myself a Christian through and through. Okay. Um, and I can clarify that. I have clarified that. Um, but I think within the Torah movement, people say, Christian, oh, you're, you're within the Torah movement. You must believe X, Y, Z. So this is why I chose this one. I said, number four, there's only one way of salvation. That is through Yeshua the Messiah. This is true for Jew and Gentile alike. And one of the reasons that I say that is because we have a large shift within the Torah movement from popular mainstream Torah, uh, Torah uh, movement scholar, or not, I shouldn't call them, they're not scholars, Torah movement teachers, to say that, to believe in bloodline salvation, that if you're Jewish, it doesn't matter if you believe in Yeshua or not, you can curse his name, and if you believe in a Messiah, you are saved. This is heresy, pure and simple. Yeshua says that there is, that no one comes to the Father but through me. It's heresy to believe that a person is saved through bloodline. So I believe that a person is saved only through faith in Yeshua the Messiah. Thoughts? No, I'm thinking about Yeshua where he's talking like uh, <clears throat> Capernaum and Bethsaida and Chorazin up there. And those are all, those are bloodline Jewish communities. And he says it's going to be better for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment. Or, no, or to, the, to different scribes and Pharisees saying, how are you going to escape the, the pit of hell? Whitewashed you know? tombs, <clears throat> right? Yeah, so yeah. Why, would he, why would Yeshua need to say those things unless he said, oh, you know what? You guys can treat me however you want. You're good. You're exactly. in. Exactly. Beat me up if you want. Nail me to a cross if you want. You're good. We didn't get that message from Yeshua. So I don't know where people imagine but it gets into this oh you can't you know because of the holocaust which was done by christians and and because of the inquisition which was done by christians this is the therefore you got it you can't you know don't christians should just say hands off don't just let the jews be good jews you know michael brown talked about this in a different format in a jewish object in his books on answering jewish objections to jesus one of the uh, Jewish objections is, how can you say that my grandmother and grandfather who died in the Holocaust went to hell just because they didn't believe in Jesus? They, uh, they went through uh, horrible atrocities at the hands of the Nazis. Um, this, is a, this is an interesting objection, but uh, and I think Dr. Brown handles it very, very well and delicately. Um, but the idea that somehow we deserve, that we are deserving of, of God's love. Yeah. This is back to our two, this is back to doctrines of grace. Right. Uh, I just, you know, I, I reject the idea that any of us deserve anything except for eternal damnation. We all Here, deserve. Th yeah. And my, my next one is right along the same lines. I put those in Yeshua have eternal life with the other elect foretaste in this world apart from yeshua there is no eternal life with god no matter how blessed one could be in this world and then i just had the isaiah 40 the flower fades but the word of god endures forever that you know 
God, just like he says, you know, I send the rain and, uh, on the just and the unjust, the sunshine on the just and the unjust. And rain and sunshine are, are blessings. That, that's just a poetic way for Yeshua to talk about how God uh, has, you know, and the, the reformers will call that kind of the, the, a general grace, you know, or a common grace or different terms for that. Right. Um, God is good. God is good to people, you know? And, uh, so, but that, but yeah, back to your point out of God's goodness, what happens is people start thinking they deserve and they, they're entitled and that's not the nature. That's not the economy of eternal life. <laughs> the economy of eternal life with, with fellowship with, with the triune God is by God's decree. You know, it's not, we didn't, we don't do anything to impress God. And then he decides to save us. That's not the, the right. proper way to think about that. So in the chat room, uh, somebody asked, and this is a good question. You know, we should clarify this. Somebody says, who's, Do- who's Dr. Brown? Who's Dr. Michael Brown? Well, there's actually oh. two Dr. Michael Browns. One Dr. Oh, that's Ma- right. One Dr. Michael Brown is a, a fantastic scholar. And I, I mean, they're both scholars. Don't get me wrong. Um, but uh, when you're reading like a very scholarly commentary or something, and they reference a commentary or a book by Dr. Michael Brown, almost, per, almost most, I would say most of the time, it's the other doctor. Is he the one that Michael wrote Brown. about like the birth of the Messiah and, and yeah. Yeah. And, the, and then think... there's, and then there's the Dr. Michael Brown that I referenced and he, uh, is a, he got his PhD from NYU, right? NYU yep. in Semitic studies and, uh, Semitic languages. Uh, so he, he is very well learned. There's no doubt about it. He is a, prominent de- uh, debater. He debates a lot of different people. Um, and he is the host of In the Line of Fire or Line of Fire, which is a radio program that's on the internet and, uh, and on the radio. And uh, we've actually had Dr. Michael Brown on this show. I believe it was the second show that we ever did. Number two, we had Dr. Michael Brown on this show. Um, and he was very gracious to come on the show. And we, we are, I'm, I still am grateful that he agreed to come on the show. Um, we disagree with Dr. Brown on, I would say, a lot of different things. He is a staunch Arminian theologian, so he believes in Arminian theology. Um, And actually, I've never actually stated this, but one of the uh, main, one of the driving forces of getting me from Arminian theology and becoming and coming into Calvinistic theology was a debate between Dr. Michael Brown and Dr. James White. James White was upholding Calvinism, and uh, Michael Brown was upholding Arminian theology. And uh, it was this debate that actually turned my, really was the driving force that turned me full, fully around to Calvinistic theology, because I felt, although Dr. Michael Brown is a, a wonderful debater and very good at it, I felt like he had no argument compared to Dr. James White. Um, with that said, he's also produced uh, a, vol- a five-volume set called Answering Jewish Objections to Jesus. We've uh, played many clips on our show of Dr. Michael Brown and his view of the Torah, which he believes has been done away with in the uh, you know at the uh, death of Christ. Um, so all that said, he, he has done wonderful things for the kingdom, and, and I hold him as a dear brother in the Lord, and I respect him even though I disagree with him. Okay. I believe it's your turn, sir. I, I mean, the rest of it, I only have two more. I said Yeshua teaches us how to walk in the Torah, not to reject or dismiss it. Mm-hmm. And then I have the original language being important for a uh, basis of sound doctrine and, and teaching. So those all could be 
tucked under some of these other earlier bullet points. I think you're right. Um, I didn't, I kind of went there, but not really. So I have three more, more points. Um, I agree with that, by the way. Uh, I had three more points. I had baptism and circumcision. Um, and then I have three bullet points behind oh. it. Circumcision is a sign by the parents that they intend to raise their child according to God's way and that they are in covenant relationship with God. Baptism is a sign by an individual that they have accepted Yeshua as their personal Savior and have given their life to Christ. And then uh, a question, do we believe in infant baptism? I believe I answered that already. The answer is no, I don't believe in infant baptism because I don't believe circumcision replaces baptism. I believe that both are still uh, things that we should do today, circumcision and baptism. And um, I think that they are two separate things. So there you go. Number uh, six for me was, does the church replace Israel? God made a covenant with Israel that is eternal. That's one thing I believe. And so the answer has to be no. Gentile believers become part of the commonwealth and are grafted into the remnant of Israel. So this is, we've talked about this a lot recently about what I call uh, enlargement theology. I don't believe that once you become a Christian, you're no longer part of Israel. I believe it's the other way around. You become part of the commonwealth of Israel uh, and come into the remnant of believing Israel. Fellow heirs, baby. Fellow heirs, exactly. And then uh, my final uh, point is titled The Universal Church. And I did this once again because of, I think, a misunderstanding and uh, religious superiority within the Torah movement, which I think is probably one of the more sad things that I've seen. And we can talk about this a little bit. Um, my two bullet points are we do not believe in religious superiority. That is that I'm better than those in the Christian church because I somehow have Good found point. a better theology of Torah or whatever. Good and point. my second one is those who are in the church and have faith are saved. We see this a lot and to, to a huge fault within the Torah movement. And I'll, I'll explain why. I get this a lot. I get this a lot of the time. Where, uh, I'm in this city or I'm in this rural town and there's no Torah observant believers. Okay, that happens often, right? I get those literally multiple times a week. People saying, what should I do? Um, one of the things I always ask is, is there a local church close to you? And almost, I would say 99% of the time, people will say, well, I don't agree with the theology of the church. And when you really peel that onion back, what they're saying is they say that the Torah is done away with. Now we've talked about this many times, but the idea that the Christians believe all of the Torah, you know, the mainstream Christian church believes all of the Torah is, is done away with. I mean, you might see that in, in certain very, very left leaning churches, but in conservative churches, they believe that loving the Lord, your God with all your heart, mind and strength is important and a command of God. They believe that loving your neighbor as yourself is important and a command of God and should be kept. These are all Torah, right? And everything is built up uh, uh, around that. In your uh, in your mainstream Christian church, you you would be hard pressed to find a good pastor in you know within the uh, conservative vein of things who would say it's okay to cheat on your wife or it's okay to kill people or it's okay to steal from your neighbor. Uh, these are all Torah commands. So obviously the Torah is not done away with even by the uh, even by the standards of the Christian church. So 
what I see is this, we're commanded to be in community, right? We're commanded to be a part of community. And uh, what people say is, since I don't fully agree with this flavor of Christianity, I'm going to break Torah by not being part of a community. I don't like, I don't understand that. I don't, I don't think that that is a good the, a limit would be like, don't, don't start going to a Mormon church. Like if, if, oh, this, if some, yeah, if some group has like, well, yeah, the Bible, but you know, we have this other book that's newer <laughs> revelation. Yeah. Don't. And, and I, I want to be very clear here. I want to be, I want to be careful too, because I, I know of some very specific people who have um, specific circumstances. This is not to say that every single person can just walk into a church and be okay. Right. Um, you know, there are certain instances where people literally have nothing around them to go to, or they've tried multiple times to start something in their home, and they, you know, they're still trying to find exactly where the Lord wants them. I, I understand all these things. Okay. But my, my point is, is that, you know, I've gone to multiple churches around Tacoma, and Tacoma's a large city. We have 250,000 people, so I get it. But I can walk into a lot of different churches in Tacoma. I might not feel right at home. But at the same time, I can walk in. I know that the teaching is pretty good. My kids are going to a Sunday school where they're learning the basics of theology and faith. And I can fellowship with fellow believers in Christ, in the Messiah. And I think that that's what the Lord wants us to do. That's good. I was thinking the, an extreme opposite of that could be, you know, the only place that's nearby that is quote messianic has like really strange teachings going on and i'd say yeah go go fellow meet some people at the church join a bible study or you know right. but and so it it's not easy no what there's no <laughs> you know don't uh don't don't think for a minute that to be a disciple of yeshua in this world somehow all the doors are just going to open you know and life's just like Easy, you know, it actually, no, the challenge, because our character, as we grow in faith, our character has to improve. And how does our character improve? Our character only improves when we're, when it's, we're in situations where we don't know how to behave in, in a godly manner. And sometimes I'm, I might be convinced of my theology, but I go to a church and I'm like, this wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. Well, that's not godliness. Right. There might be some, I might be noticing some things that are in fact true. Yeah, there's a, there's a problem here. But like you were saying, Caleb, you, you, didn't, you didn't lead with, hi, I sat through your sermon and, you know, I just need to like tell you some things. Here's the about checklist it. of all the things that you yeah, said wrong. That's <laughs> so, so the, so our maturing, and this is back to kind of growing in Messiah being a good podcast name I've heard before. Now, um, the idea is that, we develop, we bear more, we grow, we get pruned and corrected, and then we're more fruitful. Well, what is, why does Yeshua bother to give us that picture unless we can look at our life and go, wow, I actually see growth in my own walk. And I'm, I can see I'm being more godly. I'm more mature in my conversation. I'm more patient. I'm a better listener. And I'm more articulate with what I believe. And I can, ha I can be in a situation with people that don't agree on all these things. And, and it doesn't, my shalom isn't disturbed, you know, you I know, mean, that's, that's I think maturity. it's important. I think it's also important to, to note, you know, the, my understanding of all this has come through a lot of trial and error. And what I mean by that is, you know, 
um, we, my wife and I saw a need somewhere. We needed something different than what was going on at, you know, something different than the community that, you know, we needed something more than what the community was offering us that we were attending. And so we started our own small group and that took a lot of prayer and a lot of time. It took us about a year to set that up. It was a difficult, uh, it was a difficult thing to do. And honestly, starting something like that is hard. It's difficult. And you realize why a lot of people don't want to be leaders <laughs> because there's, you know, you're dealing with real people, you're dealing with real issues and uh, it's, it's taxing. It is very taxing. With that said, because of that small group, I think I've been able to branch out more into being able to go to churches and say, I don't need to be, I don't need to be a force to, to, you know, beat my Bible against the, pa- the pastor or the people here. I can go and, and try to find the common good between us. So, and Rob has, is in the same position. Heart of Messiah, which is the congregation that Rob is a, a leader at, that came out of a necessity for something different than what was in the city that he had. And so, you know, that's how, you know, basically your main congregation, the main congregation you go to and the main congregation mm-hmm. I go to flowered out of the necessity for something that we... And that's the Holy Spirit will do that in any location. Absolutely. That's that's not because Caleb's special or because I'm special. It's because God's going to do this. And, you know, when, when people get together, they read his word, they pray together, what ends up happening? Stuff ends up happening. And it could be a ministry in this avenue where there may be homeless ministry or uh, at youth risk or, you know, prison ministries. There's people who've had really great prison ministry, you know, and it's all birthed out of people getting together, praying, seeking the Lord. And then, and God gives them this idea, you know, and then they, and they pursue it and it develops. And so we're no different, you know, I don't want people to think that I'm saying, Oh, it's just easy. Just go, you know, what are you doing? Just go find something. That's not it at all. In fact, you know, I, what I'm trying to say is I think that within the Torah movement, there's an idea of religious superiority. I found the Torah. These people haven't. I'm more spiritual. I'm better. Now, they're not going to say I'm better, but that's essentially what it comes down to. Spiritually and with a relationship with God, I'm better than you. And my point is, is not that, oh, well, just go go to any church that you see on the side of the, you know, driving down the street. But my point is, is that we need to try to find the good and the common ground between fellow believers and ourselves. This doesn't just go for the Torah movement and, and mainstream Christianity. This goes for any denomination within Christianity. You know, you have people who are Methodists and you have people who are Baptists and, you know, they're not going to associate with each other because of X, Y, Z. This too is religious superiority. And I think, you know, Timothy Keller has done wonderful and fantastic work on religious superiority and uh, what, you know, his messages on pride are outstanding. And I think it's something for all of us as believers to sit back and, and say, you know, am I guilty of this? And then how does the, how can the Lord refine me in this? It's something that's not easy. And it's, you know, it's, um, and actually our sister Lois, uh, who's usually in the chat room, she's talked also about, you know, how they were alone for three years. You know, they didn't have anywhere to go, but the Lord held them in that, and then opened the doors to do something that they know is of the Lord. And I'm kind of the same way, you know. I, I, We go to a lot of different congregations right now. Our main congregation is this home group that we're in. And um, because of that, you know, we, we waited on the Lord for quite some time before, 
before he allowed us to, to start in that ministry. So um, I'm not putting anyone down. I'm just saying I don't think that we can have this I'm better than you thought pattern that goes on a lot within the Hebrew roots and Messianic and Torah movement, right? Um, so, yeah. Okay. Is that it? Is that all of them? Yeah, for me. Yeah. Great, great discussion today. Yeah, it's been good. Do we want to, should we jump jump in quick to Suzanne's? I mean, we have at least, I would say, yeah, five, ten minutes. So, th- so uh, we met uh, Susan. I'm sorry, not Suzanne. Susan. We met Susan in uh, Colorado Springs when we were there. What a wonderful time we had chatting with Susan. She was just fantastic and uh, such a blessing. Um, she's doing great work for the Lord. And uh, she's since we've met her face to face, she's been uh, she sent us a couple of emails, which is great because she has really good questions. Questions that uh, a lot of the time I'm like, hmm. I'm going to send this to Rob because <laughs> uh, a lot of the time there, I mean, I'm stumped too. This is a great one. She says, I have concepts regarding common and unclean rattling around in my head and I cannot reconcile them in a satisfying way. Now her, I should also say her email was uh, quite a bit longer. I had to just take the piece that was basically the general question. So she says, if you were to translate Acts 10, 14 through 15 into Hebrew, which words would you use for ekathartos and koinos? Were God and Peter speaking Hebrew or Greek? P.S. I have studied neither language formally, so please forgive my ignorance on this. So, um, and I put this in your show notes, by the way. Um, let's just go to it real quick here. That's really a good question. I like how she frames that. So, for example, I just pulled up Acts ten fourteen, and I'm going to look at, um, well, digitally I have two... Um, Hebrew Bibles. We'll see what they did with it. Um, so I can answer question and then I can comment on what I would do. Um, let's see here. Do, do, do. Give me just a sec. Good question, Susan. I like it. Um, okay. So this is Peter's vision, of course. By no means, Lord, says NASB, for I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. Right. Um, and then, but the, the two words is koinos, which is the first word. And then, um, akatharos is the second word or uh, akathartos. Um, akathartos is the, is, you know, we have the word, uh, like catharsis, right? Catharsis is the purification. So when you put the alpha in front of it, the alpha privative, that's like the un- or unclean right so uh the word koinos it just is a different word even though the nsp says unholy it's not like um <clears throat> a hagia or, or or not uh holy or something so um i just looked up so the dalich has pigul for the first for koinos and then tame um for the second and then Oh, yeah. So the modern Hebrew just basically does the same thing. Pigul vitame. I think I disagree with those. For koinos does not mean uh, pigul, in my opinion. Pigul is, I don't think we have, do we have pigul in the, in the Tanakh? I don't remember. But it's usually, pigul has to do with um, something that would be unfitting for sacrifice. Not not necessarily because it was um, like a pig, but because for some it could be for some other reason. Um, 
let's see here. Offensive. Yeah, we have it meaning an offensive thing. Um, so anyway, so yeah, Pigul does in fact occur. She, um, sa- she says, um, hang on, I want to read a little bit more. She says, how are... Uh, this distinction seems helpful. Okay, so she says, Koinos contra- uh, in contrast seems to, well, I need to go back even farther. Historically, I've thought that Archathartos describes things that by nature, by their nature, are unclean. That would be like de- demons, pork, shellfish, etc. Koinos, in contrast, seems to be to refer to things or people that become defiled, common, or contaminated in some way. Um, so then later she says, anyway, this distinction seems helpful when discussing the passage passage is in the Bible about the food laws and what Yeshua and Peter and Paul, uh, really did or didn't say. However, this distinction breaks down when I try to take it back into the Hebrew. I want Akathartos to always be Tame. Right. And where I think Koinos would be fitting, God still uses Tame. Did Peter say, Lord, I have never eaten anything that is Tame or Tame? Ugh. Right, right. And, and it's, a, it's a good, uh, I like, she's good at describing the conundrum. Right. It seems that the two uh, Hebrews that I, versions I looked at of Acts 10, that's the Dalich and then the modern Hebrew, draw from Ezekiel 4, because where he says, there's nothing Pigul has, en- has ever entered my mouth. And so it seems like they're, they're, uh, drawing on something like that. And so there's a rationale behind that, but I don't think that's helps us understand the vision. What koinos means is not entirely clear in terms of how you would go and decide whether something was koinos or not. What is clear is that it's not a Torah category, right? So what's important in my view is that koinos is a category probably originating, I would say, within Pharisaic holiness stringencies of community, who can eat what and when, with the washing of hands, which, because it comes up, Yeshua uses it in Matthew 15 and Mark 7 to use that term back on uh, in, when interacting with Pharisees. Um, this wait, hang on just a sec. What you just said just it just uh, sparked something because you know what? It's interesting because you if koinos is basically a Pharisaic term meaning unclean. Um, when well, it comes- it's a, it, it, it's it's something. It's koinos is a Pharisaic term that they want to avoid. It's a it's like a label that they'll put on something and say you now have contracted this koinos. And it has to be washed off of you. Yeah. Okay. But but okay. Granted. But it's not a Torah category. But that's yeah, I, I agree. But th- but that's okay. But this is beautiful because in Galatians, after this, it seems like it's after this. At least the way that I understand the chronology of things, it seems like Galatians uh, happens where Peter is pulls away from eating with Gentiles. In other words, it looks like in his view, even though he's had this dream, it's still eating something that's koinos. In the eyes of everyone else, yeah. Something now, Paul that doesn't use koinos specifically in Galatians. Right. He uses it in Romans, Romans fourteen, um, and then we see it here in in Acts ten. But uh, but yeah, the issue of and and that's the Romans fourteen part. He says, "I've learned from the Lord that nothing is koinos in and of itself, but the person who calls it koinos to him it's koinos." Well, what's he saying? What he's what Paul's saying is he learned from the Torah of the Messiah 
that oh, koinos is a tradition of man. Right. It's different than that. It can't be conflated with with the word of God, and therefore the people who go around and putting a label on something, well, because they've labeled it that way, they're going to treat it that way. But in and of itself, it's not koinos. And th- the problem is people conflate that, and this is what Susan's email so beautifully gets into that problem. People will think, oh, that's the same as Tame. And so they'll take Paul in Romans 14 saying nothing's Tame in and of itself. And all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute. No, there are things that God says that are Tame that are Tame. The pig in and of itself is Tame. It will always be. There's no no amount of sprinkling and washing, you know, is going to change, make a rabbit kosher or a, or a, a vulture or a scorpion, right? Those are tame in and of themselves. Paul's not saying when he, that phrase in Romans 14 cannot be translated, nothing is tame in and of itself, but, but only he who calls it that way it is. That's, that's a brutalization. We have to understand Koinos is talking about a, a Pharisaic category that was part of their little building, their little houses of, of holy worship and holy meal, uh, fellowship meals and what had to happen for you to be able to be on the inside of such, uh, fellowship meals. That's, uh, and anything Gentile was considered koinos. That's why the end of, I think it's the end of Mark six, Yeshua's in the marketplace. He's out in the marketplace and he's, people are touching him. He's healing people. And then Mark seven says, Anytime the Pharisees come out of the marketplace, they're like they have to wash, they have to scour because they've they're afraid they've contracted some kind of there's a suspicious stuff. There's a suspicious stuff that keeps you from being a holy that needs to be removed so you can now return to your holy relationship with God and your holy community. Right. And and you know, people like Paul grew up in that. Peter grew up obviously even though he was a fisherman in Galilee, he had a his hard heart needed some serious overhauling to get him to go to Cornelius. The reason P- Peter had the vision in Acts ten was because Peter needed this nudge to say, right. "Look, you can go. You're going to be fine. You're not going to trans. You're not. You're not going to transgress." Three times in a row, he says, "Yeah, I have never eaten anything unclean." He's he's afraid. Why does Peter need the vision? Because he's afraid that if he goes out to Gentiles. He's going to maybe uh, eat meat offered to a- sac- or sacrifice to idols, which could lead to fornication. You know, all the lore, all the lore that has been uh, built up in that that uh, wall, why Jews need to stay away from Gentiles. Um, so the dogma, the dogma. Yeah, exactly. All right. It's been a fun day. I think that uh, yeah. that's going to do it for us. Sorry for all the uh, technical troubles. I'm not going to be able to get that middle one out, but uh, I will uh, edit out the first 10 minutes of this uh, broadcast to try to bring it down. Uh, We sure do appreciate everybody being in the chat room. Man, what a great discussion. 51 people uh, was the average in our chat room today. And so we're so happy that everybody's in there. And it looks like, I mean, the conversation is just fantastic. Yeah, and thanks to the two ladies, uh, Susan, for the email and also the gal who 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 uh, voicemailed. We always like hearing uh, new new voices too, you know, as well as the people that have called in uh, many times. We, we just, we're always encouraged. 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. Give us a email. Seahag at TorahResource.com. Seahag at TorahResource.com. Don't forget if you want to become a 
uh, supporter, you can do so by going to Torah Resource. And uh, also, if you want to help Rob at all get to Israel to present his paper, you can do that at Torah Resource. Um, you can mm. find uh, donation options under the donation button on TorahResource.com. We hope that this conversation has done one thing and one thing alone. That is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Because Messiah matters. Yeah.